It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Redskins podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Zach Hicks. You can find my work on Breaking Football and the Breaking the Draft podcast with my co-host, Jonathan Valencia. I am joined today by one of the best offensive line minds that I I personally know, Michael Peterson. I mean, I got to tell you guys, I sat next to this guy at the Senior Bowl, watched an offensive line with him, and I learned way more than I ever thought I would with offensive linemen. So this is one, this is basically my go-to guy for offensive line. How's it going, Mike? It's going really well, man. I, uh, I'm in uh, Savannah, Georgia for the first time. Just moved here from Iowa, so I'm in a new setting and uh, no more distractions heading up to the draft. So really excited to get to work on some stuff and, uh, and join you right here. Yeah, man, I'm glad to have you on. I'm, I'm glad the move went well for you. We were trying to get this going uh, last week, but you know, with, with my work schedule and him moving all that, it was just kind of better to do it today, but... We're both ready today. We're go, you know, just grinding tape all day because it's our off days here. So, you know, getting through all that. But we're gonna talk some guards today, guys, because guard is a huge need for the Redskins. With Sean Laval being injured basically his entire time with the Redskins and also not being very good, plus a lot of depth issues along the offensive line. Brandon Sheriff facing some injuries. Both centers, Rie and Spencer Long, facing injuries, and Spencer Long hitting free agency. We have a huge need at interior offensive line. So I, I decided to have Mike come on today. We're gonna talk about interior offensive linemen. So we're going to go right down my rankings, my top 10 rankings that I released last week on my Twitter page. You guys don't follow me at Zach Hicks 2 on Twitter. I released my top 10 offense, like interior offensive linemen. And I know Mike's going to be a little different. So we're going to go right down my list. Mike's going to give his opinion on each guy. And then he's going to give his top 10 guys. So to start right off, Quentin Nelson, my number one guard. I mean, by far and away, the best guard prospect I've seen in a long time. What do you like about Quentin Nelson, Mike? You're very correct. He is a uh by far has to be one of the best, if not the best guard prospect in the you know, last decade or so. I mean, I haven't been doing it that long, but I haven't seen a guy where you watch his film and he almost makes you want to get up out of your chair. Yeah. He does things to defensive linemen that, you know, people joke, oh, that can't be legal. Like, how is he even able to do that in a game? Like, it's borderline disrespectful stuff. And that's what I personally love about good offensive linemen, and Quentin Nelson's got that down to a T. He's an absolute bulldozer in the run game. He's so solid in pass protection. He, him and Mike McGlinchey formed this duo on that left side of that Notre Dame line that was picture perfect when watching them, whether it's their zone tracks or their schemes they pull, the folds, the um, scoop blocks, you know, where they're working off each other. It's just insane. So, again, Quentin Nelson... It, you know, one of, if not the best guard prospect last decade, probably the number one player this year, personally. I know Saquon Barkley is this freak athlete, but people underestimate interior line. Quentin Nelson, he can be a guy who's going to play for a long time at a high level. Where do you think the farthest is that he could fall come draft day? Like, where do you think his floor is in the draft? Man, if, I mean, if I was a GM for any team, I don't care if you have some stacked offensive line. Like, he's just... In terms of best player available, he's number one to me. So I couldn't see him definitely not out of the top ten. Um, I've seen him go seventh to the Bucks over and over again, and I'd be surprised if he honestly fell that far. The only reason I can see that is because people are going to jump back cornerbacks or sorry quarterbacks. You know, Minka, Saquon, Chubb, which I don't really agree with the whole top five hype, but 
due to those positions that people feel are more important to a team, I can see Nelson falling to Tampa Bay at seven, but if he falls to eight, nine, ten, it would be a huge surprise. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I, I just don't see him falling that far. He is a special, special talent. And, you know, interior offensive line play in the NFL has really gone downhill the last couple of years. Let's look at a great team like the Seahawks. I mean, all around, very good team, went to two Super Bowls. Where it's been their big falter right now? Offensive line play. It's been terrible. And Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, but he can't do anything without, without an offensive line. And the guards are a big part of it. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams that need guards. You know, Tampa Bay is one. Uh, the Colts definitely could use a guard that high at number three if they really wanted to go that route. I mean, Giant. Giants. Yeah, Giants. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that need. Anywhere along the Giants' offensive line, and he'd be an upgrade everywhere. Maybe not center because of Weston Richburg. He's going to have play decent. But anywhere. Just stick him in there and let him go stay. Yeah. I mean, he, he is that good a prospect. So, yeah, I don't. I don't see him falling very far either. I don't see him falling to 13 for the Redskins picks or Redskins fans. You know, you can hold out hopes for that, but I, I just don't see it happening. If he did fall that far, I think we would all do some cartwheels and it would be a very fun time here on Locked on Redskins, but it's not going to happen. So let's jump to the next tier because basically it's Quentin Nelson and then the rest because that, that's what this, this class is. <laughs> the other guys, you know, and it was funny too. It's, it's a very stacked interior offensive line class, but... But nobody is near Quentin Nelson. So my number two guy, and a guy that Mike was really high on as well, I know he dropped him a little bit today, but still, I'm, I know you're a huge fan. Braden Smith, my number two interior offensive lineman. What do you like? What do you dislike about Braden Smith? So some of the first things I say about Braden Smith when I try to sell people on him is I think he's actually the, the second best finisher in the whole O-line class behind Quentin Nelson. Um, they have a lot of similarities in that they're very strong, stout individuals. I mean, Quentin Nelson's 6'5", 330. Uh, Brain Smith 6'6", a little leaner at about, I think he's 3'10", 3'15", now, but they're just jacked out of their minds. And Brain Smith actually may have a shot at breaking the bench press record come um, NFL Combine, actually. He had a uh, YouTube video that kind of blew up coming out of high school where he supposedly benched over 500 pounds as a high school football player, which is absolutely insane. And um, so I'm really excited about that, but he looks so technically sound as well which obviously, you know, we can talk about basketball feet and things like that, that we'd like to have an athletic offensive lineman. But there's nothing like having solid fundamentals and the little things together that are almost a shoe-in to translate from college to the NFL. And that's what Brain Smith has. Um, his O-line coach in college was a guy named uh, Herb Hand, who I follow on Twitter. I think he's a great follow uh, in terms of offensive line interests. I think he just got offered the job and took it over at Texas. Um, so that'll be cool to see, but he's technically sound. Uh, I've seen videos of him in practice, how he drills, how he plays in games. He's awesome, and I think a lot of people view him like he's, you know, he's getting too much hype from his strength. I don't know about that. I think he's still got all the fundamentals down, and the strength is just a plus. Um, he's got excellent length, length inside, and I don't know. I don't understand how people don't see what I see, but I guess that's part <laughs> of the process. So love Braden Smith. I think his 16 tape might have been a little bit better than his 17 tape because in 17 he actually bumped out to right tackle, I think, beginning of the season, and then they moved him back inside where he was more comfortable. But unfortunately, he declined his invitation to the Senior Bowl, which I you know had me devastated because I really wanted to see him perform. But unfortunately, he declined, and uh, we'll have to settle on his tape. So again, Braden Smith, I love him. He's still tied for my second with, I think, Wynn and Lattell are all tied kind of in that second tier. Um, for second best interior alignment. You said it all right there. I mean, he's just a big body guy, and I love how he moves in space too. I mean, for a six seven dude, he actually moves really well, better than a lot of these other big guys in this class too. So I think that's what really caught my eye. And then the finishing ability. Finishing is so big for me when it comes to guards and it comes to all offensive linemen. 
and just the ability to drive a guy back and finish. I mean, I watched, uh, I have the Missouri and Auburn game film, and man, he, he's just driving dudes around. I got to share that with you uh, after this, but man, he, he drives guys into the ground. He's just so fun to watch, and I think he's going to be a really good guard in the NFL. So if you're drafting for an NFL team, first round, second round, where's the sweet spot for Braden Smith? I think with depth of the interior line class, and again, people don't look at guards as, as high-profile um, players and something they need to take early, I think Brayden Smith will probably go right at the beginning of the second, kind of the way Forrest Lamp did last year, even though people widely thought Forrest Lamp, again, was going to be, or uh, people thought he was honestly the best total alignment in the draft. I know they did Cam Robinson and uh, Ramchek and I think somebody else prior Bulls. in the first round, but... They knew that Forrest Lamp, you know, was a left tackle his entire career, but knew he was going to play inside. So that's what kind of bumped him down. And which is why I was so excited when we got him with the Chargers. You know, in the <laughs> second round, I was so pumped. We were, we were all so pumped over at Bulls from the Blue. But um, that's what I can sort of see happening. I think he's got talent to possibly sneak in the end of the first if he blows the combine away. Um, I think the combine is going to be huge for him. I think a lot of people might see him as almost heavy-footed, a uh, little bottom-heavy from his 2017 film, but the guy's athletic. I mean, he's 315 when these other guys were 6'6", 6'7", or barely around 300, 305, and I think he carries his weight well. And uh, again, barring the combine, I think he can slide in probably top of the second. It's my best bet. Yeah, I like that for him, especially because, you know, the Redskins have a pick around the early mids uh, second rounder, and that's kind of where I'm looking at Braden Smith with a lot of these mock drafts I'm doing for uh, at da- NFL Daily Mock. So, I mean, I, I really like Braden Smith in that area. Now let's talk about... Two guards here that are getting a lot of first-round hype. We'll start with the bigger name, the guy who's getting a lot of actually top 15, and even some sites have him as a top 10 overall player in this draft, Isaiah Wynn, the big senior bowl standout. What do you like about Isaiah Wynn? I love all the versatility you get with Isaiah Wynn. Now, he's played, I'm pretty sure, left tackle like his whole career. I mean, there was he's never experienced guard. I'm pretty sure it's just been since he picked up a football, he's been like a left tackle for the most part. And... Absolutely love the athleticism he brings. He has a very athletic lower body. What I like to look at is body composition with some of these old linemen. I'm a certified personal trainer. I used to train a lot. And so I really like looking at uh, just how people are built. So offensive linemen, you know, upper bodies, I love barrel-chested guys where, you know, they're bigger dudes. So, of course, they have some sort of a stomach. I don't want to call it gut. But when their chest, like their pectorals, stand out at just as far as their, uh, their stomach does, you know they're solid. You know it's not bad weight. And then when it comes to the lower body, it's linemen who have developed glutes, thick thighs, and more athletic, leaner-looking calves. Like, some people might say, oh, he's got chicken legs. And I'm like, no, you would believe some of the best defensive and offensive linemen have very thin calves and lower legs compared to the rest of their body. I remember the first time I saw Jared Allen, it was on an NFL.com video, him showing some pass rush move for people. But the comment section was, holy crap someone cut him because he'll be finished. I'm like, no, it's just, it's not that way. Like, who cares if their cats are small? So again, going back to Isaiah Wynn, very athletic frame, very versatile person. I could see him playing at center, you know, if a team really wanted him to be. I like him a lot, and it didn't help that he was, you know, the the left bookend for one of the best teams in the country. So he has the, the game experience, big game experience, winning games, pedigree, the athleticism, and he's just not afraid of the big stage. And those are some of the things you can't necessarily coach. Um, he's got some intangibles, and on the shorter side, essentially, he's you know six two ish. I think is what he came in, but he's three twenty and carries it very very well. So that helps a lot, um, and he can handle SEC speed. He's handled his entire career, so I don't think he's ever going to be overwhelmed. At least overwhelmed right off the bat. So I love Isaiah Wynn. Top ten might be a little rich for me, 
Uh, I think, you know, again, Nelson's the only guard worth maybe a top 15 pick. But I have no problem with Wynn sneaking into the bottom of the first round as well, just based off that versatility. As much as I liked Smith beforehand, Wynn can do a few more things, and I think that's why, whether or not you have him graded above or below Smith, he can do more things, and that's valuable in the NFL. So I can see that. Let's move on to the other guy who's getting a lot of first-round hype, and I know this guy is a mauler. Big dude. I mean, I know a lot of people saying you put him in a phone booth, he's going to kill people, but I don't think he could fit in a phone booth. Will Hernandez out of UTEP. I mean, what, what's your take on this guy? Because I know you have uh, Smith, Nelson, and Wynn over him. A lot of people have him as a first-rounder. Where, where do you have Hernandez at? I have Hernandez just behind the level or Teller, Smith, and Wynn who are all tied with each other, essentially. I love Hernandez. I love what he can do in a power run scheme. I, again, watching UTEP's film this morning, it seemed like every other play was, let's run the one behind Will Hernandez, because it's either him <laughs> with in zone, or if it's power, they have him pull on play side. They pull him out in front of screens. So essentially their offense is basically just get the dude with the ball behind Will Hernandez. <laughs> and I mean... When you're a team like UTEP, where I saw their first three games of 17, they were averaging 38 rushing yards a game. I could see them kind of nail on the head on what might work the best. So, uh, love Will Hernandez. Stout, stout guy. I walked past him in Mobile along the street, and he was a thick, thick man. I walked in front of Tyrell Crosby prior, and I was more intimidated by Will Hernandez. Yeah. It's just something about it. Like, I played a little college ball. I've played against guys who are 6'6", 300-plus pounds. But there's something about Will Hernandez. He's just got this intimidating facade about him. And it's awesome, and it works for him. He's, again, one of the strongest guys here. May challenge Braden Smith for the strongest offensive lineman in this class. Solid. 340, I think, is what he's listed at. Yep. Can't believe it. As solid as that guy is, arms, chest, lower body, whatever you want to call it, absolutely solid. Some of the strongest hands I've seen in the draft class as well. He catches blitzing linebackers and stuns almost with his hands. He doesn't need to be squared up when he stops guys in their tracks, which, again, is going to benefit him in the NFL. Solid all-around fundamentals, wide base. Again, I think with someone as strong as he is, being on the shorter side actually helps. Um, doesn't need to worry about bending his knees so much to get under defenders to drive him out in the run game. Again, really solid. He, uh, I think he'd honestly be ranked higher. It's just like, he's so svelte at this 6'3", 340 frame, where I don't know, I haven't seen so far uh, the flexibility I'd like mm-hmm. in a very athletic interior alignment or just alignment in general. So that's why I'm going back through the film, seeing if I can find it, because guys, co-host of Locked on Eagles, Ben Slack, was letting me know that he was curious as to why I had Hernandez you know, below all these guys, and I just said, man, I, I don't see the flexibility. Well, he sent me some game film and was like, check this out and see if you feel different. So that's what I'm going through right now. And if I can find some good flexibility at Hernandez, he might actually be, again, tied with that top second-year guys of Wynn, Teller, and Smith. I got you, I got you. Yeah, that was actually my big fall, too, when I was kind of looking through him. It's just the flexibility isn't great. It's good for his size, but it's not great where, like, it goes up there with Brayton Smith or goes up there with Isaiah Wynn from what I saw. And also, a little bit of... This is kind of a little bit of a nitpick, but a lot of the one-on-one drills that I saw at the Senior Bowl, his hand, his hand placement was really outside. Again, yeah. he's, he's a very strong guy, so he was able to still hold on to those guys, but I, I do have that fear with, with guards letting a guy into their body, especially those big defensive linemen in the NFL. If you let a guy into your body, they're going to drive you back in the pocket no matter how big you are, so that was a big flaw that I had with him. But let's jump to the last guy, another interior offensive lineman I'm seeing a lot of first-round hype with, Billy Price. What do you like about Billy Price? So the biggest thing I like about Billy Price is he's almost in exactly the same mold as Pat Elfline the year before him. They both did the whole thing from 
uh, junior to senior year, they went from guard to center. And both of them, again, were guys that I think started roughly 50 games in their career. And there's something really to be said about that kind of experience, especially at a program like Ohio State that's pushed down NFL talent year after year. And I really, really like him. When I watch him, he's a really nice combination of size and speed and athleticism. I think he's 6'4", about 315, which is absolutely solid. When I watch him play, just without really dissecting too much about what he's doing specifically, he just looks so comfortable doing anything. It's just he looks like every single play, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows exactly how to do it. And that's huge when you're just watching a player casually and you can see that football IQ stand out. And... Again, playing for Ohio State, big-time program. He's got the winning pedigree, big-time games, the experience, the confidence, everything that you want um, in the intangible section. Uh, and I think he'll probably do the same thing as Pet Offline. He might play center, or he might actually you – know, I've seen him go to the Vikings, so he might actually be reunited with uh, <laughs> Elfline and play the guard and while Elfline plays center or vice versa. I don't know, but I can definitely see that happening, and first round isn't – if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, he's a very good uh, center and guard. I mean, if we're, if we're just talking about that, I mean, I really like him. And there's another center that's getting a lot of a lot of them close to first round hype. I know, I know he's jumped up a lot recently. Again, it seems like all these guys are getting first round hype. Again, loaded into your offensive line class. I know you're really high on this next guy that you have actually wrote an article for breaking football last week on him. James Daniels, a big Iowa boy. What, what do you like about him? So yeah, I did recently write uh, my first scouting report of the new year. James Daniels, you can go check it out on breakingfootball.com if you like. Why I like James Daniels. And I, I try not to be bias towards my Iowa guys because I am a recent Iowa graduate but there is a lot about Iowa offensive linemen obviously with the Redskins you guys have Brandon Sheriff that yep. spent the number three overall pick number three or five I think it was five team. five overall pick okay well still uh yeah I knew he was gonna go high in that draft but fifth overall was quite a surprise to everybody now you guys got even at five an absolute steal he's been a pro bowler his first two years is that correct yeah he should be an all pro too i mean he he is legit he's he's an he's an awesome guard man absolutely and brandon sheriff was a guy you know he was popular because of again how absolutely strong he was there was videos coming out with him of him hang clinging for multiple reps over 400 pounds i mean the guy plays with the perfect mindset you want an offensive lineman of belittling your opponent playing and play out the same way nelson does so good on you guys for getting sheriff but Daniels has the same pedigree, the Iowa pedigree, where they're going to be drilled and drilled and drilled until they can make, they almost can't make a mistake. The Iowa coaches have done such a great job with their old linemen. We, uh, the Iowa offensive line won the Joe Moore Award last year with Daniels being a big part of that best offensive line in the country who beat teams like uh, Ohio State, again, who had Price, Elfline. We beat Alabama, again, who had Cam Robinson. This year, it's Bozeman, another guy, Ross Piercebacher, who I played in high school, but another great alignment coming out this year. And, and it's because of how well they work together. And James Daniels is a big part of that. He is going to be so fundamentally sound, especially in the zone run game. We run a lot of zone. 
and it's a lot of communication with zone uh, schemes. And he's so good, again, at the pivot. He exemplifies extreme athleticism at the position. He's just a hair under 300 pounds, which has me a little nervous. I hope he gains a little bit of weight prior to the NFL Combine and, and his measurements and stuff like that. But he brings the fundamentals, the blue-collar work ethic, with a little more athleticism than you normally find in an uh, Iowa Hawkeye interior lineman. Previous centers, Austin Blythe, James Ferentz, um, they're both in the NFL right now, but have never cracked a starting lineup. But I think that all changes with James Daniels. Again, um, perfect combination of that hard work, work ethic, um, fundamentals, but you're going to get an athletic, athletic guy at the pivot, and it's no wonder he's you know rocketed up draft boards. Mel Kuyper likes him. Other guys have him at 22 on their top 100 big board, which is insane to me. But um, I think if you check the tape, uh, you can take a look at my scouting report if you want, you'll see a guy who really wouldn't be a surprise if he was taken in the first round. Yeah, I really like him. The one thing uh, also that I really like about him is his length for a center, too. I mean, he his arms look like so long out there. I don't know if it's just from the angle or, or typical uh, Iowa centers really don't have that kind of length or athleticism. But the way he moves along with – yeah, the, the way he moves with his length and his athleticism, man – I'm a big fan of James Daniels. I think he'll be a starter in the NFL for sure. I think he might uh, be a little bit more work though, just because of the weight issues. That was definitely something I saw. He looked a little, looked a little skinny. Not, I wouldn't say skinny. Obviously, he's two two ninety something, but you know, a little smaller on the smaller side. But I, you know, I'm a huge fan of his. Let's jump now to my boy from Virginia Tech and a guy that you're actually higher on right now than I am. Even though you know, I still would take him second round. I love, I love this guy, Wyatt Teller. Tell me all about Wyatt Teller. So I like Wyatt Teller. Because, again, in the same mold of Nelson, Smith, and some of the, the finishers in this class, like my, my whole grading system is actually weighted towards um, how they finish blocks and a mean streak that they play with, um, which is why guys like Wynn and Hernandez have kind of fallen behind. Well, if it was maybe a little more evened out, you might see some different rankings. But there's nothing like a guy who goes the extra mile to get in the mind and the head of the defensive line or just defenders in general in front of him by driving him to the ground, giving him extra shove at the end of the play, it adds up because we've all played sports uh, where you know we're tired physically and mentally by the end of whatever we're playing. So a game like football that's just played with brutes essentially, for Teller to every single play want to go out and make that guy feel terrible about himself. And if that continues over and over and over again, where whatever defender he's uh, blocking the time feels awful and feels so overmatched play after play, that does a lot against the defense. And it really helps out him as a lineman to handle his defenders going forward if he's able to do that. So Taylor's up there because he loves to finish guys. And he's had plays where I've seen um, – I've put some up, you've put some up. I've seen other guys put up the same ones where he'll – He'll pull out in space and he'll latch onto a defender. I think the, the Boston College game was yes. one that I really liked. Yes. <laughs> um, where he just handled guys. And um, I'm not going to lie, he, he sometimes sells out a little too much. So I've seen him whiff a few times at the second level. Um, I've seen him get hip-tossed uh, once or twice, which is crazy. Because the guy's again, 6'5", I think 315 plus. I mean, yeah. look, I, I saw him in Mobile eating at a restaurant and he just stood out among other offensive linemen that he's with. I mean, he's a huge, strong guy. So that's essentially why I like him um, over some of these other guys, but he still plays with great pad level for someone who's 6'5". I always, guys who are 6'5 and above, I really try to stress see how much they actually are knee benders instead of waist benders. It really helps out when they're able to bend their knees um, and be in that power position, you know, as the play goes on. Um, he's solid in run blocking. He's one of the more athletic guys, again, um, in this draft, 
mean streak. Plays great leverage, actually, in the run game. With Ian being yeah. tall, um, he really knows how to work angles. And flexible as well. I'm just sorry, checking over my yeah. notes right now. I really like his flexibility and his instincts in the run game. So, again, he evens out with Brain Smith, Isaiah Wynn, kind of my second tier of interior offensive lineman. I like it, man. I know a lot of sites have actually been like citing him for lack of effort down the stretch this year, lack of... Uh, like tenacity down the street. and I just didn't see that at all. I don't know what they're watching. I, I will say the 17 tape wasn't as good as the 16 tape, but I mean, I, I still see a day two offensive lineman when I watch the tape. I've watched almost every game of VT the last two years too, because you know, I'm a huge Virginia Tech fan. I I don't know what they're looking at to say that Teller's not a, at least a solid day two guy, but I have one more guy who's borderline top 50, top 60 interior offensive lineman. That's that's eight guys now, by the way. We're up to eight guys now that have like a top 50, top 60 grade. Uh, Frank Ragnow, a guy who missed almost all of last year, the lone good offensive lineman from a horrible offensive line over in Arkansas. Uh, what's your take on Frank Ragnow? So I was actually pretty upset when I saw that he had injured himself in the middle of this year. Because in 2016, he actually graded out as PFF's highest graded center and was actually well on his way to do the exact same thing in 17 until he got injured. Plays with one of the bigger chips on his shoulder among centers in terms of like, we talk about these guards who are big finishers. Frank Ragnow is that finisher for the, the center fights. Um, I absolutely love his mindset. I watched his, I think it was the Texas A&M game. Yep. They played at TNT Stadium. He just looked awesome. I mean, whether it was zone tracks, power schemes, whatever, in the same way Billy Price looks like he really knows what he's doing, that's going to be the same for Frank right now. Um, I really believe if he didn't get injured this year, he would really be fighting for possibly the top center in this class. Again, going over my notes, uh, I have rarely loses in the run game. Um, yeah. He really doesn't. I, I don't think I ever saw a bad play for Frank right now. Makes sense for his PFF rating. He shows the ability to, to cut off linebackers on uh, front sides of play. shows the mobility to get up, scoop, nose tackles, and get to the second level and uh, get in the way of blockers again, which uh, with a lot of these guys, it, it's tough. They, they get ahead of steam and they whiff or they get, you know, they cut the defender cuts inside and they just look, you know, unathletic and they can't stick their foot in the ground and, and cut the guy off. But Ragnow is one of those guys. So um, he's got high athleticism for the position as well, challenging James Daniels possibly actually for the best athleticism. And I'd be surprised to see him going first. I think he has a first-round grade, no doubt. But with the injury, yeah. I can see him falling mid-second, low-second. Uh, again, I think Daniels and Price will go ahead of him. So we'll see. But mid-second, low-second just because of the injury. Yeah, I'm clear with you. Uh, before we jump into my last two guys here in my top ten, am I missing anybody who should be like a first or second-round grade from this interior offensive line class? I know I've basically named... Just about every interior offensive lineman who is in this class. I named eight guys there, but am I missing anybody that you have that high? Looking over my notes here in my grades, not really. Let's see. In my centers, Ragnar Price and Daniels are my top three first-round grades, obviously. Nelson Smith, Teller, Hernandez, Win. Yeah. that's a, In terms of first-round grades, first, second-round grades, yeah, no, you nailed them. Awesome, awesome. That's good. It's always good when you agree with someone that you uh, that you whose opinion you view you know higher than yours or better at yours than in a position. So my last two guys are kind of sleepers to a lot of people. I mean, I'm a huge fan of these guys. I think both can be starters in the NFL. We'll start with the one that that uh, you love, uh, Skylar Phillips at Idaho State. I mean, he was showing up at the Senior Bowl, man, and and his tape he shows up too. So what do you like about Skylar Phillips? So. I like Scott Phillips, and I well, don't get me wrong, uh, he's a great player, but I, and there's a lot of great players, but he was one of the only guys that 
almost the second I turned on the tape, he stood out. Like something happened, and I went, okay, like yeah. this guy can play. And we, with all of our draft crushes, it kind of happens almost instantaneously. <laughs> like we turn on the right game, or it's the right moment, and they do something, you're like, I'm going to die for this guy. So Skylar Phillips became that guy for me prior to, to Mobile, and I was so excited he was invited. So I dove in. And again, Skylar Phillips is from Idaho State. He's 6'2", about 315, uh, maybe 6'3". He thinks he's closer to 6'2", whatever. But compact guy. I actually consider him Will Hernandez light. I think they have the same structure, kind of boxy shoulders, uh, svelte guys, pretty stocky. So again, Will Hernandez light. The first thing that jumped out to me when watching his film was his hand usage and pass protection. Going back and watching all these guys, and you brought it up earlier, that... A lot of guys have problems with their hands landing outside initially yep. um, in their first punch and pass protection. And uh, a guy like Daniels, who is one of the best, um, I've had some cut-ups of him in pass protection in my uh, report, gets guys always inside, and it does wonders being able to control that defender once you get your hands inside. Once If you punch and they land outside, you got to reset, and it wastes time in the game where a lot can happen in a second or two. It's really important that I find guys who are – willing to land that punch, you know, initially in, in the chest plate. So that's what Skylar Phillips does. He's very patient with his punch as well. A lot of guys get happy feet, uh, wanting to engage defenders immediately or as fast as possible. That's not Phillips. The talent is there. I think he was a, a two-time All-American, second time coming this year. And believe it or not, when I was talking to him, I was interviewing him a couple times down in Mobile. He had a standing offer from Oregon State. He's from Eugene, Oregon. And so he had a standing offer from Oregon State and – after Oregon State, and this is this is his words, um, the Beavers went like nine and three, and they thought they were this good team. Now, so they decided they wanted quote better quality players, and so he said that's why they pulled the scholarship from him. And he said that was kind of one of the tougher things he had to get through. But he said he kind of got himself together to rebrand himself, you know, and sell him to other programs. But he said Idaho State was the first university to give him a call, offered him on the spot. And he said the rest is history. And I think it turned out fairly well for him. Again, I mean, no matter where you're playing, two-time All-American is nothing to scoff at. Um, but he's awesome. He has one of the most powerful punches in the draft. He really, really jolts guys. Really, really jolts guys. One thing that I noticed is that he doesn't stay on blocks a terribly long time. Um, he can have a good initial punch um, and look like he's winning, but being able to take guys to the ground – he never stays on him long enough to do that. But again, he does play with the mean streak. Um, he is a decent finisher. I would like him to see him just be able to handle guys a little bit longer. Again, plays with a wide base. One of the, some of the best hands in pass protection, which can't be understated. And some of his best film was against full D1 schools like Colorado. Some of his best tapes. So, love Skylar Phillips. I did a lot of videos of him in Mobile. And um, I think he solidified everything I thought he was going into Mobile. And that's great as well. So, Really excited to see how he performs at the Combine. Um, and I think he's a name that a lot more people will find out about more come draft time. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I was actually going to say, my favorite thing about him was that punch. I mean, that punch, is, to me, that's what jumped out when I first watched him. I watched him, I think it was against Colorado. And I think his first block, he knocked the defensive lineman like a yard or two back with his initial with his initial punch. And I was like, oh my God, what is that? Like, Because he's not a huge guy. He looks bigger than what he is because the way he's built. But... Man, he knocked that guy back. And again, my whole, my big problem too was he doesn't hold those blocks and doesn't finish them. 
But with a punch like that and the you know the hand placement that he has, I really do think he can develop into a really really good guard in the NFL. And again, Will Hernandez light. I really like that comparison for him. I really think uh, that does do him some justice there. But the, again, the only reason he dropped he dropped below this next guy I'm going to mention here is because he doesn't hold on to those blocks. This next guy I really really like. I think he's a great zone blocker. I think he moves really well. Colby Gossett out of Appalachian State. Have you uh, watched a lot of him, or what's your take on him? So I'm not going to say I watched a ton of Colby Gossett's uh, enough to obviously grade him and feel and feel right about how I feel about him. But I watched him mostly that uh, the bowl game they had against Toledo. And honestly, I like him. I think I think he had a better mobile than I actually saw. Um, and there's a couple guys. A lot of people like Austin Corbett from Nevada. He's another name people really liked and thought he had a good mobile. Well, and I spent a lot of time watching the O-line, obviously, for breaking football. But I didn't see a ton of from Colby Gossett in the film, but he did flash. He really did flash at Mobile, and, you know, him being part of that starting first unit does say something. You know, as much as I love Skylar Phillips and I thought he had a good week, they still put him in that second unit. So, obviously, um, the evaluators and the coaches for the squad he was on uh, saw what they wanted to see in Gossett and thought he was good enough to obviously play for the first team. Um, I like him a lot due to his height. I think that doesn't burden him too much. I think in my notes here, uh, I said he's a little bit of a, too much of a waist bender for me. I would like to see him bend a little more. Flexibility, I don't have him that good of a grade. That kind of played against him a lot. But you could tell during the bowl game and the other games I watched that it took him, you know, a drive or two, but then I thought I saw that mean streak really kind of rev up. And he showed that again during Mobile. He loves to hit people. He loves the collision. I can see that when he plays. He was rated as the second best draft prospect in the entire Sun Belt. Again, some of that really speaks for him. He's a two-time all-conference performer. Uh, and going back to whether or not you value starts and playing experience, he had 46 consecutive starts um, leading up to the bowl game. So that's not going to do anything bad for him. But I think some of the, the negatives I had was he runs fairly stiff. Again, I, I, I mentioned that he was a hit bender. And he really struggles when trying to turn back inside to make a block. If yep. he overruns somebody, it's almost good night for him. Yep. Um, but he takes really good angles uh, when climbing to the second level. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's skilled fundamentally um, in the zone game. And I think that's probably where he's going to succeed the most come draft time. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, I think the one thing that stood out to me the most and why I kind of fell in love with him when I started watching him was just those angles he takes getting to the second level are outstanding. Among the best in the class, honestly, from what I saw. I know I know, I put a clip up on Twitter of a, re- of a block he made, I think... It was against like a, I think it was against Miami, where he had like a reach block against Miami, getting to the second level. It was beautiful. I don't know how many guys get to that. And like you said, I don't think he is the greatest athlete, but just the angle that he takes to get there and make that block was so impressive. But I do agree. I mean, when he overruns players, he's he's not turning back. He's not he's not making the play there. So he definitely is a developmental guy. I don't think he's a day two guy at all, but a day three type guy. Put him in the right system, like his own scheme. I think he will do wonders for your team. But man, that, that is about all we have for today. But I do want to get, what is your 
I don't want to do top 10 because I don't know if you have the centers and guards put together, but what? who are your, like, top guys that you want to mention here, if I missed anybody? Honestly, you've, you're pretty close to mine. I know we, we differ some things, but if we're including centers and guards, that top 10 is essentially it. Just going down mine. So this is, I'll go guards and then uh, centers, give you guys an idea of what I'm looking at. Um, right now, Quentin Nelson, by far and away, number one. Yeah. Um, after re- going through my grades a little bit, Isaiah wins now my... Uh, second guard just by a point i have smith and teller uh tied and then behind him it goes uh willie hernandez and skylar phillips and will and skylar actually have the same grade for me but for phillips i do i minus points on the overall grade based on level of competition so he played at uh fcs so i take two off if you were d2 like kappa or something like that i'll take four off so i got will hernandez and then skylar phillips um, and then Colby Gossett behind Scholar Phillips. So there's not a lot of room for error between these guys, uh, but that's what I have for guards. And then as far as centers, I have Price and Daniels with the same exact grade, and that's just going to be a pick-your-flavor type thing. Yeah. I think Daniels, again, being on the lighter side, but going to be more just a, more of a natural athlete. I think to do a few more things with them. But um, if you want something, some, uh, you know, more consistent flavor, um, a more beefy flavor, give Billy Price that look. Um, Frank right now, right behind those two, not a lot of uh, difference between them. And number four center, I actually have Scott Questenberry, who impressed me, nice. especially with his games against Washington, where he had to handle Vito Vea and Philip Gaines, who I believe were, no, they, I, I don't have to believe, they were uh, the stout two middle guys in what was the nation's best run defense. So I think he did a phenomenal job handling them. And then right behind Questenberry, I have Austin Corbett from Nevada, who some thought he had a really good week in Mobile. I personally, I, I guess I just didn't see it. But I do think he's going to be better on the inside. He did play left tackle uh, in 2017. But again, if you watched games like the Notre Dame game, you saw a guy who looked a little uncomfortable on the outside. Understandably, we don't think that's his natural position. But as that game went on, he really turned it up. He just got that mindset. He got in that zone where he wanted to finish people. He was disrespecting linemen. And that's what I think a lot of people see and why he shot up boards. So I wish I had more tape on him. He might actually be uh, a little bit up there, whether you know, just it was a guard or center. But um, that's my top five for centers as it is now. And like I said, our, our rankings aren't too too different right now. So I think we handled it all. Perfect, perfect. All right. So my last question before we call the show, because this is actually one of my longer shows I've ever done on Lockdown Redskins, which is great. I love talking into your offensive linemen. I played, I played guard and center and actually tackle through most of my Pee Wee football years. So for for those five, six years there, I played a lot of linemen, so I, I love me some offensive linemen. But my last question here is, if you had to pick one or two guys that would go like after the first round for a zone-blocking scheme or a scheme where you want to get your offensive linemen in space, who are you taking? So, after first round, guys. Yep, after first round, zone like a kind of like a zone-blocking or like a get a guy in space, like in a screen game type, type uh, offensive lineman, who are you taking? So, I would most definitely take... Wyatt Teller, because he showed awesome athleticism out in space. I They did that a lot. They pulled him out into space, put him in some screens. Again, at least in the games I watched, including that really good BC game. Um, really like him. And then as far as – so for guards, I'm just going to say Teller, and I'll give you one for centers. My guy would be Ragnow, actually. I know James Daniels is more of a natural athlete, but Ragnow is just – I think the mindset over everything – I think he's one of the guys that's you know probably salivating at the mouth when they say, "Hey, we're gonna run the play where right now you're actually gonna uh, pivot, pull, and uh, 
get out in space and we're going to give it to what's his name, but you're going to lead the train and I'm sure he's just in there itching at it, you know, to snap the ball. So that's definitely what I got. Wyatt Teller uh, for guards and Frank Ragnow for centers. Awesome. I love it. So Redskins fans, those are two names to look at come draft time. Frank Ragnow, who is one of my favorite players in the entire draft, and then Wyatt Teller, who is my Virginia Tech boy. So those are great answers there, Mike. Two guys that I completely love, man. But thank you for coming on, man. I know it's a longer episode. I hope people love some some good guard talk because I know I sure do. I know a couple of my guy, my fans will, so that's good. But um, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, tell the people where to find you again on Twitter and, and you know everywhere else. All right, so again, uh, my name is Michael Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at uh, capital C Chargers Lately. Uh, L-A and Lately is capitalized as well because I thought that was the most clever thing in the world when I made the account. You can find my work at boltsfromtheblue.com. That is the L-A Chargers SB Nation blog, and you can also find my stuff on breakingfootball.com, which I do with Zach here. So um, check it out. I'm sure you'll like it. Yeah, man, uh, he does some great stuff, guys. Please go check out his James Daniels article. I loved it. I've read it. I've read it like twice now. It's, it's so cool to read. And honestly, I wasn't very high on James Daniels. I, I do really like him. Obviously, he's a top 50, top 60 player for me. But I think he was my eighth, my eighth ranked guy I had on there. And, you know, just, just reading over that kind of, you know, just in my grade a little bit for James Daniels because you get to see a lot of what Mike is seeing in there. So definitely go check check out that James Daniel report, guys. But again, I'm your host always, Zach Hicks. You can find my work on Breaking Football and the Breaking Draft Podcast with John Valencia. I will join you guys tomorrow with Jay Reed, uh, Jordan Reed, I, th- I believe his actual name is, but JR Scout on Twitter. We're going to be going over some combine predictions. So top performer for each position, worst performer for each position. It's going to be fun, guys. So So tune in tomorrow for that show and I'll catch you guys here tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.